Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 65, and we're going to spend some time talking about anxiety and what it can do to you and your van life if it's not paid attention to. We're also going to explain what a smart alternator is, and we'll have a tale from the road about how to be a magician. I'm also going to review these cool little button lamps that I'm very excited to tell you about, and we're going to visit the McFarthest spot. I will explain. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again. You may hear uh, a difference in the sound this week. I'm actually recording this in the van, and I'm at Indiana Dunes State Park in, surprisingly, Indiana, and there is a background noise here of kind of wind and ocean and trains and stuff, and sometimes birds, and hey, it's just kind of nice. So if you hear some background noise, that's what it is. Before we get into the main thing, last week we launched a Discord server. Now, despite the name, Discord is actually a good thing in this case. It's an online chat room where anybody who has any interest in this podcast or van life or has questions about how to solve problems can go and ask questions from people live. And the nice thing is that it's not actually in real time. So if you ask a question and there's nobody around at that moment, someone can read it later and then post the answer and you'll get a notification about that. This is the kind of thing that's going to start off slow, but if you would like to be involved, there will be a link in the show notes, an invite, and it's called Built to Go, a Discord server. You can actually search for it in Discord. Any questions about how to get into it, send me an email at Jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not three, not one. Now, this part on anxiety that I'm about to play for you, I recorded with the intent of making into a YouTube video and putting it in the podcast. So you'll hear some reference to the YouTube video. It's going to take me a few days to get that up. So you'll probably hear the podcast before the YouTube video is ready. But it's going to be the same content. The only difference is there will be pictures of me walking through the dunes and the woods and stuff like that. But it is kind of nice. So if you can, take a look. Now, let's talk about anxiety. I'm here in the woods of Indiana. It's actually Indiana Dunes State Park, and it's March, so it's kind of off-season. You can even see there's still a little bit of snow on the ground. But it's kind of a nice place to be, and I thought it would be a good location to talk about kind of an important issue when you're considering van life or maybe struggling with it, maybe thinking, God, do I really want to do this? There are a lot of impediments to doing van life. You've got the problem of money. That's obviously a big one. You've got the problem of your vehicle might break down and you've got things like social stigma, you know, like, oh, you're living in a van down by the river. Yes, that's what I want to do. Those types of things. But I'm just gonna talk about the pure emotional problem of getting in a van or any kind of vehicle and hitting the road And what might stop you from doing something you really want to do? Now focus on that for just a bit. Stopping you from doing something you want to do. That's not a good thing. You want to do this. You wouldn't be watching this video or listening to this podcast if you didn't want to do this. If anxiety is the thing that's stopping you, let's talk about that. You're seeing me now or listening to me now and you're thinking, well, this guy is just the embodiment of confidence. Surely he does not have any problems with anxiety. I mean, 
He's doing a podcast. He's showing his ugly face on the camera. He's even showing people how fat he is. He doesn't even care. Anxiety is not his issue. Well, guess what? <laughs> I am one of the most anxious people that I know. I am riddled with anxiety. Everything I do, I have to consider how it's going to impact me emotionally. I'm the guy that when there's a party, I will go and kind of sit in the corner and just hope for it to be over. If I'm an anxious person, how is it that I can do these things? How can I do a podcast? I just do them. No, really. All the fear and pain and panic and all that, I have that. I go through all that. So do I have some magic formula for overcoming anxiety? Do I have some secret meditative technique that makes it go away? No. It doesn't go away. I just work past it. I start with the premise that I'm going to do something. This is how I deal with anxiety. I'm going to do X. I'm going to buy a van and build it out. I'm going to do a vodcast, even though I know I'm going to be out of breath fairly quickly. Which I'm right now. Man, don't get old. No, wait. Do. It's better than the alternative. I set myself up so that no matter what, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I make the decision. I'm going to buy a van and I'm going to build it out. That's it. That decision is made. That is set in stone. I'm going to do that thing. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Am I going to doubt myself? Yes. Am I going to make mistakes and maybe regret that I ever started doing this? Possibly. And then I'm going to make another decision. I'm going to get in that van and I'm going to go places that I want to go. Where are you going to park? Where are you going to sleep? How are you going to deal with bathroom issues? What if you run into some people on the road who aren't very nice? What if, what if, what if? I will cross those roads when I have to. I am doing this thing. That's it. I've had to do these things my whole life. I go to the dentist. I don't want to go to the dentist. But I decide that I'm going to do it, and I do it, and I deal with it. It's kind of the same thing. So I had to stop for a minute, because I was out of breath, I couldn't speak, and I couldn't think, which is more important <laughs> in many ways. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this video isn't such a good idea. Maybe I should just not do this. Maybe I should just go online and read some advice on anxiety, and then parrot that in the podcast or something. But no. I'm not going to do that because I decided I was going to make an authentic video about anxiety. And so here I am, and I'm doing it. So here's some things to ask yourself if you're ever feeling anxious. One is, is the anxiety rooted in reality? Now, some kinds of anxiety are, of course, rooted in reality. If you are near the edge of a cliff, you should be afraid of heights at that moment. If you are near a raging fire that's out of control, anxiety absolutely warranted. But if you're just anxious about getting in the van and driving to a state park, maybe not. And if that anxiety isn't warranted, it's no less real. You're going to feel what you feel. But how important it is, is a totally different thing. I have accepted the fact that I'm going to feel anxious whether it's warranted or not. What I haven't accepted is that that anxiousness is important. 
And I've come to the conclusion that I can realize I'm feeling anxious. Like, I feel anxious right now. But is it important? No. And if it's not important, I don't have to pay attention to it. I think that's a super useful lesson in anxiety. I mean, I'm not a mental health professional. You shouldn't listen to me other than I'm a guy telling his story about anxiety. And if that helps you in some way, great. The sound you're about to hear is actually sandhill cranes circling overhead. They're migrating and there were hundreds of them in the sky. And I just thought it was kind of cool and that you'd like to hear a little bit of it. Here's another useful approach to anxiety. Ask yourself this question. What is the difference between anxiety and excitement? Is there a difference? It's almost the same feeling, except that one's positive and one's negative. I've planned big trips and taken people all around the world, and it never fails. The morning before I'm supposed to go on this trip, I always feel like not going. No, I'm excited about the trip. I want to go see these places. But the thought of dealing with all the little minutiae and the details at the airport and possibly disappointing people and all of that, when that is all at the front of my mind, I feel anxious. But then when I think about all these amazing things I'm about to see, I feel excited. And it's almost the same thing. And what I've been doing as much as possible is to convert the anxiety into excitement. The best example I have of this is... Going up an old roller coaster, you know, you're going up that hill, clickety click, and anxiety is building and building as you slowly go up the top. And then there's that point where the clicking stops, and you're right at the top of the roller coaster, and you have to make a choice. It's kind of like fight or flight. You have to decide whether you're going to be excited or you're going to be afraid going down that hill. And for years, I was afraid. And then I finally learned how to switch it. And instead of holding on for dear life and saying, oh no, stop this thing, I think, go faster. I grab on and lean forward and will that roller coaster car to go as fast as it possibly can. And that turns the anxiety into excitement. It might sound silly, it might not work for you, but it's worked for me. And I'm very glad because now I really like roller coasters. So I'm going to end this with two stories of beating anxiety from two very good friends of mine, Noel and Susie. Let's talk about Susie first. Susie is deathly, deathly afraid of heights. Doesn't want to have anything to do with heights. But she also wants to see really cool things. And she was on a trip that I arranged to go to Israel about 10 years ago. And we went to Masada. Now Masada is a fortress built on the side of a mountain. And some of the fortress levels are tiered into the mountain, and there are these very narrow staircases to go from one level to the other. And you're basically hanging off the edge of the mountain. Now Susie's terrified of this, but she absolutely wants to see what's at the bottom of those stairs. And so, after staring at the stairs for a while, she decides to go down backwards. And she does this step by step. Sometimes she sits down, but she doesn't stop because she has decided that she is going to do this. And she did it. And now she has the memories of visiting that amazing place. And a slight realization that she was nervous while doing it. But that's not the important part. She did it. Anxiety didn't win. It was there. She felt it. 
but she overcame it. Now I want to talk about Noel. Noel is someone else who's come on trips with me, and it was very difficult at first because she was terrified of flying, hated even going to the airport. She had to make all kinds of special arrangements to have somebody carry her onto the plane. She had all kinds of medications to help her. It was a real struggle. But she decided that she was going to learn to go on these trips. And so she worked at it and worked at it. And she managed to get to the point where she was comfortable enough that she could fly without too much trepidation. And she has traveled the world because of it. But here's the thing. One of her favorite things to do right now is to go hang gliding. That's right. She's not inside the plane anymore. She's hanging from fabric as she flies through the air. I'm super impressed by this. And I'm sure she still feels some anxiety, but she does it anyway. And I think that's my message to you and my continual message to me that keeps me doing things like this. Do it anyway. Not just do it do it anyway. I hope that listening to this or watching this has given you just a little bit of courage or a little bit of perspective on anxiety and how you can just put it aside and do what you want to do. That's my only goal here. If I've done that, great. If not, I encourage you to go find other resources that will help you beat this anxiety thing. Most of the time, it's just in the way and you can ignore it. At the very least, you can recognize it as not important. I thank you for listening or watching this. That helps me overcome my anxiety. So thank you for helping me. Tech Talk. So let's talk about smart alternators. You may have heard this term if you've been looking into doing your electrical system. Does your vehicle have a smart alternator? And I can't answer that for you effectively you can google whether your vehicle has a smart alternator or not but most new vehicles now do have smart alternators unfortunately this makes things more difficult for us and i shall explain traditionally an alternator is a spinning thing under the hood that's attached by a belt to the engine that produces electricity and it's complicated and i'll skip all that but Basically, it recharges the battery and provides electricity to the car for the headlights and the radio and whatever's needed. That's it. And if you were running the engine, the alternator would produce a set level that would be 14.4 volts or whatever. It would always be producing that amount of power, even if the battery was full, even if you weren't using the headlights. And while this was simple and was good for us because we could use that current to charge the batteries in the back, it wastes gas. You're producing this power whether you need it or not to drive the vehicle. So smart alternators will turn that voltage down when it's not needed. For example, it will charge the starter battery more slowly and under circumstances where the engine is driving very quickly and it can easily produce that power. Things like that. What does this mean for us? It means that if you have a newer vehicle with a smart alternator, you can't use a VSR, a voltage-sensitive relay. It just won't work. It's going to shut off as the smart alternator adjusts its current. You have to use what's called a battery-to-battery charger. And we will talk about that more in the Q&A section of this podcast. So that's the only difference. Smart alternators reduce the current to save gas, thus screwing up our efforts to charge the back battery. Old alternators don't do that. That's all you have to know. See? Simple.
Tales from the Road. So, I have spent a lot of time around magicians and picked up little tricks. And I'm going to tell you a story about a quote-unquote trick I did. And then I'm going to tell you how to do that trick. And while, as somebody who's been around magicians, I have promised not to reveal secrets, I don't think this is a secret, actually. But here's what happened. Many years ago, maybe eight years ago, there was a meteor storm coming to the Chicago area. And Chicago being so bright with streetlights and stuff, we don't actually get to see a whole lot of, you know, star stuff. On a good night, we might see five or six stars. It's kind of depressing. But these meteors were going to be bright enough that we could actually see them. Still, we wanted to go to the darkest place we could. So a bunch of us science enthusiasts met up on a jetty that was in the north part of the city that kind of sticks out into the lake a bit. And we went out there with high hopes and good attitudes, and we saw nothing. We were just staring for an hour, and we didn't see anything at all. It was really kind of disappointing. We started talking amongst ourselves about how, you know, we're not seeing anything and this is boring and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I got up and said, all right, enough of this. We're going to see a shooting star in three, two, one, and then whoosh. Across the sky, a shooting star came forth exactly on cue. The only one we had seen. So... How did I do that? How did I pull off that amazing feat? Well, the answer is, I do that kind of crap all the time, and nobody notices when I'm wrong. No, I'm completely serious. That's all there is to it. I will find opportunities where, if I'm right, it will be the most amazing thing ever, and if I'm wrong, everyone will forget it. There's a way magicians do this with cards. They'll say, pick a card, any card. And then they'll instantly say, but not the Ace of Spades, because that's what you were thinking. Because it turns out that people who aren't card players often will choose the Ace of Spades. It's the first card that comes to mind. And magicians, knowing this, will throw that out there. And if it's not the Ace of Spades, the person forgets it, and it doesn't matter for the trick. But it, if it is the Ace of Spades the person thinks the magician is a mind reader. So that's all. It's just a fun little thing. And I have that moment forever in my memory where I made a shooting star happen in front of dozens of people. And then I wandered away, leaving them to wonder how I did it. Product review. I'm very excited about these silly little things. I know I've been talking about lights a lot, but I promise this is the last time for a while. These are called button lamps and they make a fun noise when you shake them in the package they are there's these tiny little things the size of a quarter okay so they're the width of a quarter there may be five quarters stacked up and they're just little lights but they're incredibly inexpensive and incredibly bright and the idea is you put these anywhere where you need some light sometimes and they have a sticker on them and you just stick them there and there's a simple switch and you turn it on and that light will last for 17 hours. And then after it doesn't work anymore, you throw it away and you get another one because they're incredibly cheap. They're like $9 for six of them. And I have them in my van right now. I have one over my refrigerator, so it lights up my refrigerator. Heck, I could have put it in my refrigerator. It would be good for glove boxes. It would be good under the hood, anywhere where you need temporary light. The only drawback of these is, well, there's two. One is that if you accidentally leave it on, 
it's just gonna die and that's how it is there's no timeout feature or anything like that i kind of wish there was like a button you could press that would turn it on for a minute the other is that yeah there's a sticker on there so after it dies when you take it off you're gonna have to peel off the sticker and i haven't had to do that yet i'm hopeful that the sticker is like a command strip sticker that will come off I love these things. I recommend you pick up the pack just to have because there are there's going to be a time when you're going to be like, boy, I wish I had a little bit of light here, and this is the solution. I love it. No wiring, just instant light. I'll have a link in the show notes, but it's called Button Lamp, and the ones I'm using are by a company called Panther Vision, and I think they're the official makers of these things. So, yay! A place to visit. This is a place I visited in 2015, I think, and it's called the Mick Farthest Spot. The idea is that there are so many McDonald's restaurants in the United States, and we're talking about the continental United States here. Where is the spot where you're the farthest away from one? Where where can you be that will take you the longest drive Oh, and by distance, this is only by distance, to get to a McDonald's. The one I went to was in southern South Dakota, and that was the reigning king for years. But it has since moved. And you might say, well, how does that spot move? And I'm like, because somebody opened another McDonald's and it messed it up. The new spot is near Lunar Lake, which is another place that I have talked about. That was another recommended place. In on BLM land in Nevada. I'm going to give you the coordinates, but I will also have a link in the show notes because that will be a whole lot easier, okay? The current Mick farthest spot is 37.92901 degrees north and 116.32345 degrees west. And using what three words? That's increased, waxing, decreasing. Almost like wax on, wax off. And if you go there, I'm almost positive you will find something. There is something there. I know one person went there and actually ate a Happy Meal on that spot, which kind of seems to be tempting fate to me. And I believe someone set up a geocache there. So there is something there. Plus, it's near some lava fields. It's near Lunar Lake. It's near Lunar Crater. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff. And this is out on Route 6, one of the loneliest roads in the country in Nevada. So, hey, if you want to get away from McDonald's, this is the place. And I'm loving it. We seem to be talking an awful lot about electrical stuff in this episode, but so be it. If you are interested in trying to figure out just how much power you need for your build, I recommend that everybody do this, especially at the beginning stages, and especially if you're new at this, because a lot of people come into van life thinking, oh, I'm going to have a hairdryer, and I'm going to have an air conditioner, and a toaster oven, and an electric griddle, and all this stuff, not realizing that that is more power than you could actually use in your kitchen, probably. So this chart that is at faroutride.com you can actually just go there and you'll see it in the menu faroutride.com makes you list all your appliances and you might have to look on them and figure out how many watts they use it's going everything's going to be in watts and then it will calculate all that and tell you what you need for batteries and there are links there to like fill out the whole system and i think what most people are going to discover is that they really need to adjust how they think about power in the van. And just a tip, this is something that a lot of people miss. 
you've got your need and then you've got your battery capacity. So let's say you calculate your need and then you figure out that these batteries are slightly more than what you need in a day. Perfect, all set. But then you also have to figure out how you're going to charge those batteries in the day. And that's the part where people get in trouble. Everybody's fine for one day. But then if they figure they'll just charge on solar, they get a couple of cloudy days and then they have no power. Or if they figure they're going to charge it with just the engine, they figure out that the engine's only going to charge it to 85%. Things get complicated there. But anyway, get started in this journey of figuring out how you're going to do your electrical system by calculating what you actually need. And the calculator at faroutride.com is an excellent one. Check it out question I've been getting a lot lately, what is the difference between a voltage-sensitive relay, or a VSR, and a B2B, or a battery-to-battery -battery charger? Both of these things are battery isolators. What they're meant to do is protect your starter battery from being run down by your leisure battery, while also providing a way to charge your leisure battery from the alternator. So the way a VSR works is that it detects the voltage of the starter battery, and if it's within a certain range, it will send power back to the leisure battery. But when it leaves that range, say when the starter battery starts to get a little too low, it will break that connection, making sure that you'll be able to start your vehicle. Battery-to-battery -battery chargers are exactly what they sound like. You connect the batteries together, and they do the same thing, but they have circuitry in them that's a lot more sophisticated. The battery-to-battery -battery charger can be told what kind of a leisure battery you have, and then it can charge using the proper profile for your leisure battery, and that allows you to completely charge the leisure battery. VSRs are kind of dumb. They're going to stop at a certain voltage no matter what, and a lot of leisure batteries need to be charged at a higher voltage than you actually use them at. However, VSRs are a lot less expensive. They can be $40, whereas a battery-to-battery -battery charger is going to be at least $200. However, if you have a vehicle with a smart alternator, which is a lot of newer vehicles, you can't use a VSR with them. You have to use a battery-to-battery -battery charger. In short, if you have the option, get the battery-to-battery -battery charger, and some of them can even be integrated directly to solar because they have their own MPPT controllers in them, and that is the best of all possible worlds. Hey, I just wanted to do a supplement here to the anxiety part. There's one important thing I didn't mention, and that is that if you decide, because you're feeling anxious, not to do something, that's fine. That is not you being beaten by anxiety. There's no shame in that. That's called self-care. That's called coping. These are good things. The trick is you just don't want that to happen all the time or for major decisions. So if you don't want to go to a party and you're feeling anxious about it, don't go. But if you don't want to do something that you've been trying to do your whole life, if you're right on that moment of achieving your dreams and you're anxious about it, that's the time to push through. So I just wanted to be clear that you don't have to feel bad about giving into anxiety. It's normal and healthy. And just one last tidbit here to get us up to 30 minutes, which is where this podcast is supposed to be. The Canadian border. I'm involved in the cruise industry, and we have been told that the Canadian ports will be closed until February of 2022. 
That's right. No cruise ships into Canada until February of 2022, which kills the Alaskan cruise market for the U.S. this year because, by law, all ships leaving from a U.S. port must stop in a foreign country before going to the United States. It's a long, complicated story, but that's the law. So all these ships have to stop in Canada, and they can't. Boof. No Alaskan season. But okay, we're in vans. We're not so worried about cruise ships. When can we go to Canada? Well, we don't know. The next date that they might open the border is March 21st. I don't think it's going to happen. While the U.S. is making some strides in getting everyone vaccinated, small strides, but strides nonetheless, Canada, from what my friends tell me, is actually behind the curve on this. They are being much slower in getting people vaccinated. My guess is that they're going to keep pushing that date until people are completely safe. Now, there is an effort to to pressure President Biden into pushing Canada for a date. And there's also talk about opening the border for people who've been vaccinated. Whatever. Don't make plans to go to Canada just yet. Or if you do make plans, make them for later in the year. We will get there. Also, get vaccinated as soon as you have the chance. It's really worth doing. I've had my first shot. I'm getting my second in a couple weeks, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 65, a particularly unusual episode, but I really do appreciate your listening to this one. As a reminder, we do have the Discord server going. If you don't know what it is and you're interested, I will help you get there. There's a link in the show notes. And we're still on Facebook in the Facebook group, and we have an Instagram account and so on and so forth. All that stuff is at builttogo.com. There are links at the top. Music, as always is by Simon Wagg. And until next time, remember what John Green says. I just give myself permission to suck. I find this hugely liberating.